After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Yeah.
a.m. in the a.m. <clears throat> Good morning and welcome, everybody. <clears throat> wow. 6.30 in the morning on a Friday, Erev Shabbos, and I thank you for tuning in. You heard the uh, Y-Studs with Menucha Vesimcha, Sherwood Goffin's Malacha, Magadlu done by Ari Boyanju, Yisrael Werdiger and Bowie Vishalom. You heard a whole Dveikas set, Rachem, Hinanochi, and Bowie Vishalom off of the assorted Dveikas collection, and Regesh and Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this October 28th, day 26 in the month of Tishrei, the year 5777, Tuf and Zion. Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Bracious. Can you believe it? We're here. Erev Shabbos, Bracious. Starting things all over again with candlelighting time, 537 on this Erev Shabbos. 537, your official candlelighting time as things are getting earlier and earlier. And I think, what are we, is this the last week of the... Or the, or the, oh, this is the, this is the first of the last two weeks of quote-unquote late time or, you know, daylight savings time. We'll change the clock uh, at the beginning of November and, uh, and uh, two weeks from today, it'll be a much earlier candlelighting time. Anyway, 537 is where we're at. It is uh, a Shabbos where we bench Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan begins Monday night. It is a Tuesday and Wednesday, two-day Rosh Chodesh. Tuesday and Wednesday, two-day Rosh Chodesh. 46 degrees outside with 87% humidity. Winds are west at 6 miles an hour. Uh, partly cloudy, windy today with a high temperature of 51. Then tonight, mostly clear, a low of 39. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high Shabbos, 65 degrees. Well, not bad. Not bad for Shabbos Day. Yerushalayim is at 75. We're at 46 here in Jersey City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. I thank you so much for tuning in and being part of this amazing radio experience. Just over an hour from now, we will check in with Malcolm Honline. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us with the weekly update. I remind you that we are uh, making a transition for those in the New York, New Jersey area who listen on terrestrial radio. Keep in mind that December 1st, December 1st, we are transitioning where this radio broadcast will be available uh, on our website at NahumSiegel.com and on our app, the NSN app, and through our listen line, and uh, which you can call up and just listen to. And... Um, and through web radios, of course, and those types of options. And to keep that in mind, you want to make sure you transition with us. So you can listen in and be part of this radio experience every single day. And uh, it will be a crisp and clear radio broadcast experience for you when you do. So we look forward to that. We're going to be transitioning, and I am asking everybody to come along with us. You will enjoy uh, what we have planned on the other side. Uh, this coming Sunday, Matis Weingast hosts JM Sunday. That happens Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. So we are a six-day-a-week JM in the AM operation. Uh, make sure to be tuned in Sunday morning or wherever you might be around the world. It could be Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. And the Matis will uh, bring you up to date with a great live presentation starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. More coming up. You are listening to JM and the AM at 27 minutes before 7 o'clock. Galega, 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 galega. 
Yeah. 
You heard a green and Kaech, so if you heard Benny Friedman, B'nai Hechala, Joy is in the Air is the name of that medley. MBD's Yismachu, Yismach Moshe, done by Yanki Lemmer and Shamayim with Gale to open up that set. Friday morning, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County, number, Rockland County 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmdm.org, and of course on the NSN app. Malcolm, home line 40 minutes from now with our weekly update. Matis Weingas, Sunday morning at 7 Eastern time with JM Sunday at the Nahum Siegel Network. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JMDM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כנהות גרף עם מה שקורה עכשיו. במוסול הרגו בשבוע החולף מחבלי דאעש יותר מ-230 בני אדם. לפי הדיווחים הם מקבצים בעיר רבבות אזרחים מכפרים סמוכים. כתבנו נתנאל דרשן. על פי דוח שפרסם האו"ם, בין ההרוגים נמנו גם 40 אזרחי עיראק שנרצחו בשל סירובם להישמע להוראות ארגון הטרור. כמו כן, דווח כי דאעש מקבץ לתוך מוסול עשרות אלפי אזרחים מהכפרים הסמוכים לעיר על מנת להשתמש בהם כמגן אנושי בקרבות נגד כוחות הקואליציה. בשעות האחרונות איימו כוחות שיעים המגובים על ידי המשטר באיראן כי יפתחו מיד במתקפה על מערב מוסול. עיתונאית אמריקנית נוספת מדווחת, הוטרדתי מינית על ידי איש תקשורת ישראלי בכיר. בעקבות ההאשמות, לפיהן עיתונאי הארץ ארי שביט נגע בכתבת Jewish Journal דניאל ברין בניגוד לרצונה, צייצה בטוויטר הפובליציסטית היהודייה אביטל צ'יזיק. דבר זהה כמעט קרה לי לפני שנים עם דמות אחרת בתקשורת הישראלית. זהותו של המטריד לכאורה אינה ידועה. וגם תא העיתונאיות מגיב למעשיו של שביט. כתבנו מיכאל האוזר טוב. תא העיתונאיות הגיבו על ההטרדה המינית לכאורה שביצע שביט ואמרו, זה לא מובן מאליו בימינו שעיתונאית צעירה מעיזה לחשוף דבר שעלול לפגוע בה מקצועית ואישית. ההתנצלות המהירה היחסית של שביט היא אומנם התקדמות חיובית, אולם לטעמנו היא איננה משקפת לקיחת אחריות על הסיטואציה. הניסיון של שביט להסביר את התנהגותו כחיזור לגיטימי הוא היתממות, לדברי תא העיתונאיות. שביט עצמו כתב בלילה על רקע הפרשה. אני מבין כעת שפירשתי באופן שגוי לחלוטין את האינטראקציה בינינו באותה פגישה. אני מתנצל מעומק ליבי על אי הבנה זו. כתובות נאצה על עמדת צה"ל בשומרון. כתבנו ענבל תמיר. פלסטינים הגיעו הלילה לעמדה של צה"ל ליד ההתנחלות יצהר בשומרון, עמדה שבאותה שעה לא הייתה מאוישת, וציירו עליה כתובות נאצה, בהן הכיתוב מוות ליהודים, וגם מגן דוד שמושווה לצלב קרס. כשהתגלו הכתובות, חיילים סרקו באזור, וצה"ל בודקים את נסיבות האירוע. 
חבר הכנסת נחמן שי מותח ביקורת על האמירה של סגן שר הביטחון אלי בן דהן, שלפיה דתיים לאומיים יכולים להסביר את ישראל בעולם טוב יותר מחילונים. כתבתנו אילאיל שחר. משרד החוץ הוא לא חזית פוליטית שצריך לכבוש. השאלה אם דיפלומט חובש לראשו כיפה אינה רלוונטית. יהיה רע מאוד אם יתחילו להתייחס לשירות החוץ כמטרה פוליטית, כך אמר חבר הכנסת נחמן שי, יושב ראש השדולה לקידום שירות החוץ בכנסת. מוסדות החינוך באילת שהוצפו בעקבות הגשמים יחזרו ביום ראשון לפעילות סדירה. כך מעדכן בגל"צ הדוקטור דרורי גניאל, האחראי על החינוך בעירייה. בחלק מגני הילדים נשאר לקלם לימודים בגלל חדירת מים. אנחנו כמובן לתלמידי גני החינוך המיוחד העברנו תלמידים לגנים הסמוכים אליהם כדי שימשיכו פעילות רגילה, וחלק מהגנים... שבנו את ההורים עם ילדיהם הביתה, ואנחנו עכשיו עושים בקרת נזקים, אבל ביום ראשון הלימודים התקיימו כרגיל. בצהריים חזר לשגרה גם נמל התעופה באילת, והצירים בעיר פתוחים. אלה החדשות שעורכת נעמה שוחט. בצוות רון לביוד ומיכאל אבו.
in the AM. Amazing eight-time cats. Shwebel Sharp and Levine before that. Friday morning on this Arab Shabbos. Parshas Bracious. Could you believe it? Candle lighting at 5.37 on this Arab Shabbos. Ben Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan will be a Tuesday and Wednesday. A two-day Rosh Chodesh. Tuesday and Wednesday that we're getting ready for. Uh, Malcolm Holmline coming up. Weekly update starts at about 7.40 Eastern Time here at JM&AM and, of course, on all our platforms. Uh, Malcolm Holmline weekly update coming up here at JM&AM. Don't forget, Sunday morning, Matis kicks off the week with JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream, jmnam.org, NahumSiegel.com, NSN app, all the different methods. I want to thank those who are commenting on our app, which is always cool and nice to uh, get reaction from our listeners. The NSN app gives you an opportunity on the home screen to comment on anything you hear during our programming. Uh, well, yesterday we spoke with Dr. Joseph Abrams, and today I want to take the opportunity, first of all, to get uh, some of the early morning listeners, since we spoke to him uh, pretty late in the show yesterday, uh, some of the early morning listeners to be aware of what's going on regarding Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And um, I don't know if there is such a thing as too much messaging when it comes to this. Many of you out there in this audience know that I have been uh, aggressively over the last uh, five, six years since my uh, my brother passed away, aggressively been encouraging tests and screenings and procedures uh, that uh, if if done and conducted and uh, if the um, if the problem is caught early enough, instead of God forbid a a terrible end. Uh, just the opposite could happen, and someone's life literally could be saved. And through these messages, I do believe, and we have some uh, evidence uh, for it, that certain lives have in fact been saved because people have become um, interested in heeding our advice and uh, going ahead and getting tested in whatever way, shape, or form. Uh, Dr. Joseph Abrams is with us. He is the uh, radiologist, as a radiologist, the Bay Ridge Medical Imaging in Brooklyn, New York. They're on 14th Avenue. They're on Coney Island Avenue. They are a big part of the um, medical category in our community. Uh, his has, he has a, special, a subspecialty in breast imaging and interventions. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and of course in our community with all the UNTIF, etc., um, it, it ended up that uh, October went by pretty quickly. Before the month ends, we want to make sure to encourage everybody to get out there and to, to make the appointments that are necessary for screenings, mammograms, etc. Dr. Joseph Abrams, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Malcolm. It's always a pleasure to be with you. No such thing as too much messaging on this topic, huh? Yeah, and listen, I, uh, I don't want to scare your audience. I find it personally chilling to say, but one out of every six or seven women that are listening to us right now will get, have had or will get at some point in their lives breast cancer. Right. And so uh, it's, it's very important. Now, as we discussed yesterday, um, many people in this audience uh, already have uh, and are very familiar with friends or relatives who have breast cancer. And in addition to that, as we discussed yesterday, just touched on it because it's a topic that, you know, deserves its own show. In our community, for whatever reason, it's even more prevalent. You said to us the numbers indicate that there's even more of a risk or of a chance when it comes to our community specifically. Absolutely. Um, risks of just family histories, genetic mutations like the breast cancer mutations, are just much, much more common in Ashkenaz Jews. Right, simple as that. Uh, it's something we've discussed before, and like I said, uh, you could do an entire show on it. All right, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I actually asked you yesterday if you think uh, nationwide 
Uh, people out there are uh, utilizing the opportunity to make the appointments and become aggressive with their own health care. And you said that there are people who um, use their birthday as a benchmark and make sure every time their birthday passes to make an appointment. You said that there are people who you know, might do it at certain times of the year, especially if they have off at specific times and uh, time to take care of these things. And, of course, thirdly, October has become uh, really a very, very important time of year because of the nationwide um, campaign about breast cancer awareness. So um, this is yet another time when people out there take the opportunity to make those appointments and and get screened. Absolutely. And you know, in addition to the conventional screening of uh, mammography, you know, at Bay Ridge Medical Imaging, we're proud to offer 3D mammography, which is a breakthrough technology in the diagnosis of breast cancer. This revolutionary procedure, also known as tomosynthesis, enables our radiologists to view the inside of the breast layer by layer, using very low-dose images. And with the addition of 3D to the traditional mammogram, it improves breast cancer detection while decreasing the number of patients called back for additional testing. Wow. So it is something that, you know, very few places offer, which we've recently started offering. And uh, that's, that's an adjunct to mammography that we do provide. In addition, breast MRI, you mentioned mammography. Right. Um, women who are at higher risk, either because they've had breast cancer in their past or because they have a family history of breast cancer. Um, depending on how strong their family history is, they may be, um, it may be appropriate for them to have a breast MRI once a year, which uh, is a more sophisticated exam for the detection of breast cancer. And finally, breast ultrasound. Um, for women with dense breasts, breast ultrasound is very helpful in detecting breast cancers, which may be obscured by the dense breast. While mammography is great, it doesn't pick up all cancers, and these other modalities are very helpful to it. In fact, New York State has recognized the importance of ultrasound, and there's a rule that, and your listeners who may have had mammograms may know this, they often get, once they get their letters saying it was benign or whatever, you need additional imaging, it also mentions if you have dense breasts, that if the women do have dense breasts, say you may require additional imaging such as ultrasound. We try to perform the ultrasound on the same day so the patient doesn't come back. But my point is there are other modalities besides conventional mammography that do help, uh, that do help to detect breast cancer. Are the guidelines that you're providing, um, specifically um, with what you just described, are, are they consistent with what the American Cancer Society recommends and what they speak about when it comes to guidelines for screening? Absolutely. It's consistent with the American Cancer Society, the American College of Radiology, and also insurance reimbursements. So... Uh, the, the ultrasound and MRI are the tomosynthesis is something that's new and kind of revolutionary, this 3D imaging, and uh, that is not widely offered, but we are proud to offer it, and uh, that does increase the detection rate and decrease um, the number of patients that need to call back falsely for additional imaging, which causes unnecessary anxiety for the Dr. Joseph Abrams is with us. Uh, phone number uh, where he is at the Bay Ridge Medical uh, Imaging is 718-238-7000. Again, that's 718-238-7000 if you have any questions. Um, uh, everybody out there has to has to understand the importance of early detection. Now, I know I keep saying it, and you know, on the flip side, I had the you know just the opposite experience, unfortunately. Uh, in our family, but uh, I mean, can you cite, obviously without giving specific examples, but uh, you must be able to cite countless cases where early detection led to, you know, women recovering uh, as opposed to what, God forbid, could have happened down the road. 
Absolutely. We see patients come in for mammogram for two reasons. Either they come in for screening, in which case, hopefully, benign and we don't see anything, but if there is something, almost always it's at a stage where it can be treated and cured. And the other type of patients we see are patients who come in with symptoms, like they feel a lump. Those patients, um, sometimes it's curable, sometimes it's spread to the lymph nodes, and sometimes it's spread to other parts of the body at a point where it's uncurable. So it's always better to come in at a time when you don't have symptoms right. rather than, if you have symptoms, obviously come in. It's right. better to come in than wait until your symptoms get worse. Right. But the best thing is to come in before you have any symptoms at all. I want to mention, Nachum, you mentioned yeah. our phone number. Yeah. As a special promotion for your audience, for the next two months, listeners of your show can, can call specific patient advocates to assist them in scheduling mammograms and answering any questions or concerns they may have. Your listeners can call 718-238-7000 and dial extensions 332-333 or 334 for the patient advocate. So that's for listeners of your show. Call 718-238-7000 and extensions 332-333, excuse me, or 334 for the specific patient advocate that can help them. Get the uh, get the imaging that they need. Then I would bet that I, w- I would bet that there are people listening who have questions in, in general, and I would assume that the advocates on the other end of that phone would be able to help them out with those. Absolutely, it'll guide them. It'll guide them in the correct direction and answer them with any questions or concerns they may have. And um, it, you know, big picture uh, compared to years ago, um, the number of people surviving, you know, the, the things that you see is 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 far better than it used to be. So there's. Uh, uh, there, you know, early screening, obviously, a you know, early screening, early detection, obviously, very important, and that's probably one of the reasons why there's such a greater survival rate now. Thank God, uh, but people should be encouraged that if they're in there early enough, there's a tremendous amount of hope uh, down the road. Yeah, absolutely. They should know that this is one cancer which is curable right. mean, through screening, and screening has revolutionized the survival rate for breast cancer, and also the morbidity, the decreased the morbidity associated with the treatment. Many patients required mastectomies. Right. Lymph node dissections, chemotherapy. Um, now patients, most patients with breast cancer who are picked up with screening get breast conservation, lumpectomy, and radiation may be all they need. So um, not only does it increase survival, it decreases the morbidity and increases the quality of life associated with treatment if they do have breast cancer. Another thing which has increased um, detection of breast cancer is the increased uh, availability of uh, Places where they can get screened. It used to be that women in Brooklyn would have to go to Manhattan to get their care. Right. And I can tell you, as someone who um, I did my medical school residency and fellowship all in Manhattan, NYU, and Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, you know, here in, we provide better quality of care, more importantly, more personalized care and more compassionate care at a fraction of a cost right here in the neighborhood rather than patients having to go all the way over there. Your 14th Avenue location is there a long time already, right? Yeah. Um, and for convenience, we're open on Sundays, whereas a lot of these places in the city are not open for screening mammograms on Sundays. Right. The timeliness of appointment, they can come in very fast. And like I said, we, we do not just for convenience, but to make sure patients don't fall through the cracks. If they need additional work, we try to do it on the same day. So, for example, a woman may come in for her screening mammogram, and if we find something, we'll do the additional imaging of that area right then and there. Right. And even if a biopsy is necessary, we'll uh, call the referring physician, and uh, try to do the biopsy on that day. Again, this is all for two reasons. One, for the convenience of the patient. And two, we don't want patients to be lost to follow-up and fall through the cracks so they don't get the follow-up and care that they need. Right. 
All right, Dr. Joseph Abrams, he's reminding everybody. I was going to say there's two weekdays left in October, but the truth is they're open Sundays. So you have three days left in October yeah. to get in touch during Breast Cancer Awareness Month to schedule a mammogram and to find out more about um, uh, about what he described with the ultrasound, MRI, 3D mammography, etc. It's all done over there, and we are encouraging everybody to get screened, to understand the importance of early detection when it comes to any type of potential cancer, and obviously breast cancer among the more prevalent ones. Uh, you can speak with Dr. Joseph Abrams or his uh, staff members at 718-238-7000, extension 332-333 or 334. And Dr. Abrams, I thank you for joining me this week. Uh, like I say, post Yuntif, but still before the end of October, I thank you for joining me and reminding everybody about how important this is. And I am convinced, after years of doing this type of uh, of uh, discussion on the air, that we are saving lives out there. So, Kolakovo to you. I sure, I sure hope so, Kolakovo. Thank you so much. Have a Shabbat Shalom. There he is, Dr. Abrams, with a reminder about October and uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. 7.32, 28 minutes before 8 o'clock. It's Friday on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Bracious. Candle lighting time at 5.37. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Marcheshvan will be Tuesday and Wednesday. Plenty more coming up here at JM in the AM. Weekly update, minutes away with Malcolm Honeline and plenty more. Keep it here at JM in the AM.
the AM. Friday morning, Arab Shabbos Parshas Bracious. Can you believe it? Candle lighting at 5.37 on this Arab Shabbos. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Mar on Tuesday and Wednesday, a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Uh, coming up, weekly update in just a moment. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to uh, print out 410,000 articles <laughs> uh, before Shabbos uh, having to do with Israel and the Jewish world. And commentary about same. Um, then go ahead and do so. Uh, go to JewishWorldReview.com. You'll see uh, hundreds of articles on different topics relating to this amazing world of ours. And uh, I thank them for enthusiastically recommending our live stream to all their hundreds of thousands of readers. A big thank you to our friends at OnlySimplas.com. OnlySimplas.com continuously uses our... Uh, uh, content for their incredible news feed, which includes a lot of interesting stories, not just uh, m- not just news about smachot. So a big shout out to our friends at OnlySimplas.com. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, it's always good to be back, even though we miss you with Shalim already. Yeah, amazing, huh? And and I hear that uh, just as Yontif ended, a, uh, a nice amount of rain started falling in Israel, which is always a good sign. Yes, it's raining there. I just spoke to people that yesterday, uh, day before in Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem, and the rain is very important, but everybody had a, an amazing sukkah where the weather was so glorious, and every day it was just beautiful. What are we going to do about uh, encouraging more and more people in this country, the United States of America, and other countries that we speak to on a weekly basis, what are we going to do to encourage them to get a trip to Israel on their personal calendar? Well, if nothing else, the UNESCO debate of the last few days and weeks, and on this show, what we've discussed for two years, warning about what was going to happen, uh, and it's interesting, I met people in Israel who, you know, now that everybody's talking about it and everybody's issuing statements, said that they remembered a long time ago that we started talking about it and people just couldn't fathom that this was going to be so serious. It still caught up, it still caught people off guard the way the way it came down. But anyway, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and uh, but it was fully ante- anticipated if you follow the process and and the process is not over. They're not going to stop with this. This is the Palestinians initiative. But it's, uh, you know, becomes a way for people to express their affinity with them and to, to knock Israel in some cases. We are moving some of the votes in the right direction from uh, negative to abstain, abstain to yes. Uh, the last vote was better than the first, but I do not, and I, I must say, well, I don't agree with the Prime Minister who, uh, who, who praised the abstentions and marked it as a political achievement. You, you do or you, don't agree with the Prime Minister? I do not. Right, yeah, I agree because with you. Because I do not believe you can have moral, you can have on a moral issue abstention. It was, it was, it, a, it was like a bad football team performing decently against a powerhouse and calling it a moral victory. It was, and call, it was, exactly, but, and, and I, I hope that people will, or I ask that people take the time to go online and read the document. It won't take him that long, but it's much longer and more complex than people believe in. What I have found in all my meetings with heads of state, ambassadors, everybody else, is nobody has read the thing. Nobody knows what it says. And it's far worse. 
and we saw it translated this week exactly what I said would happen in terms of the removal in U.N. documents, in U.N. debate, where the Temple Mount is only called Ham al-Sharif, uh, al-Sharif. Other sites are only referred to by their Muslim names. We are, we are seeing Jewish history erased. We're seeing Christian history erased, too. Our traditions, our belief, our association with Jerusalem. Even the head of UNESCO has now issued a second statement condemning the decision of the body she headed. The, the Mexicans turned around. Rienzi, the prime minister of Italy, said he, he regretted the votes and they would be opposed to it. Others, I hope, are, are, are going to join the bandwagon. The Czech Republic uh, parliament voted, I think it was 119 to 4 or something, uh, to, to oppose uh, this, these measures. So people are beginning to see... Uh, it's quite remarkable still to me that, that the uh, Christian community, the, the Vatican and others, who have no hesitancy in coming out on many issues and criticizing Israel and, and um, expressing themselves, ha- have not found a voice on this. So when the, it, it the, is the so Vatican, fundamental. The Vatican has not reacted to the plea by Israeli officials to get involved? They haven't reacted at all? There's been no statement uh, that I know of from the Vatican itself. Um, uh, condemning this and and uh, understanding what the World Heritage Council did this week of UNESCO with the original UNESCO vote, and I'm saying to you that I believe that there will be more, and and you see how ludicrous this is, Nahum, and what the real intent, because there's no gain for the Palestinian people by doing this. Israel doesn't deny that the Muslims have some association. In fact. Jews are discriminated against on, on the Temple Mount, not Muslims. Muslims are free to go and pray there, etc., and Jews are, are, are uh, limited. But now the PA has declared war on the Balfour Declaration, right. which is going to, we're going to mark the 100th anniversary right. of the Balfour Declaration, uh, which was signed in 1917. November 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. November 2nd, exactly. And and they're fighting what they call the quote crime of the Balfour Declaration, and the the, uh, the officially a Palestinian Authority announced this a year long campaign to commemorate the crime. They they've gone to the House of Lords to to try and get an apology uh, for those who know that Balfour is not not just the name of the street in Jerusalem. <laughs> it was the British Foreign Secretary Arthur James Balfour who announced his government's intention to create a, a national home for the, the Jewish people. Before World it, War II, by the way. For, every, for everybody who associates... Yeah, yeah, well, I know that we, we like to only concentrate on the fact that the, you know, that the Bible gives us the right to Israel. But for those who like to associate uh, the Holocaust with, that, with then the uh, creation of the State of Israel, if, if you want to speak only in modern terms, Balfour was 1917. That's right. And it, it, it was the position of the international community. This was right... On the right before the British uh, took the the um, Ottoman territory of Palestine away from the Ottoman Empire, and so they were the given the mandate for this, so it had international legal standing, and the international community supported it. Now we have this campaign, which shows what they're trying to do is to delegitimize and denigrate, even deny. Because no one can say the temples didn't exist. It, it, there are so many discoveries, and I'm sure I know you follow uh, this as well. Uh, but when I was in Israel this time, I went to the sifting project where they're still going through the material taken off the Temple Mount. And while you're there, you find things 
that were from the, the tiles, pieces of the tile of the plaza of the temple. Well, I mean, well, it's, well, this is irrefutable. This, and now they found yeah, this 2,700-year-old uh, papyrus, papyrus, uh, papyrus um, uh, fragment, uh, uh, um, uh, artifact right. that had been stolen from some cave and and because of the desert climate, it was preserved perfectly. So you can read the two lines uh, on the papyrus, and and it's it's it says uh, from the uh, king's maidservant uh, Naharata, which is a place it, it mentioned in the in the Chumash in the Bible as being on the bo- border between when it, was, it, 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 it it explains the border between Benjamin Benjamin and Ephraim, uh, and then it says. The jars of wine to Jerusalem. So they're telling you, here you have 2,700-year-old document in ancient Hebrew script, telling you clearly, this is in, in Sefer Yoshua, you can look it up, 16, um, uh, chapter 16. If you rely uh, on the New York Times reference, it's chapter 16, uh, verse 7. Right, so you can you can uh, check it out. But that that is the, the, <laughs> the first. First of all, I gotta yeah. give the Antiquities Authority credit because you know that I'm sure they planned on releasing this Sukkot time when everybody was celebrating the uh, the temple activities, quote unquote, uh, near Harabayat. So I'm sure. Well, one of the reasons it was delayed. I mean, this is from the time of the Kingdom of of, of Judah. So this is the seventh century B.C.E., which means twenty seven hundred years ago. Right. And um, so, so the, the reason is because they were trying to. Die. If this thing had been stolen, they captured it back <laughs> in a raid done by the uh, officers of the Antiquities Authority, and uh, it was restored and it was taken care of. And they were trying to document exactly all the aspects because before they go public. But here, it's clear the reference to Jerusalem. Right. And it's an unprecedented thing. I just, they, I, I just, I just give them credit because I'm sure you're confident as well that they've held held on to this for weeks to Dafka release it right on the day of the UNESCO vote. So, well, it was also because they they uh, had the dedication during uh, of the of uh, the new Antiquities Authority building designed by Moshe Safdie, and I suggest people when you go to your shrine, you'll go and see it. It's not finished and it's not open to the public completely, but there there you will see the most incredible displays of the antiquities that have been found, which erase any questions, any doubts. You can see it, you can touch it, you can, you can uh, read about it. I mean, there's absolutely no question. And here you have UNESCO, the body that's supposed to be protecting educational, social, cultural factors, engaged in this, in this uh, libelous attack on, on, on Jewish and Christian history. And it, it, it is, to me, so outrageous, and it must it must be repealed. And I, I hope everybody will join the efforts, and they will hear more about it. Well, the irony is that you know nobody, and I forget where the quote was from. I, you know, so much stuff comes across to everybody these days, so I don't remember exactly where I saw it. But it, the the irony is that nobody cares for historical places and historical, you know, significant holy places like Israel does. And just look what's happened in 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 Syria. Where, where's all the condemnation? They destroyed Palmyra. They destroyed Nahria. They, 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 um, they destroyed um, uh, the religious artifacts all throughout the place, uh, and wherever ISIL went, and others, and the bombings, which indiscriminately destroy ancient uh, artifacts and buildings and and remnants. 
and nobody cares. Oh, here it is. In your daily alert, I saw it. It's, it's a quote from the Prime Minister. We are the only ones who are scrupulously, carefully, and zealously safeguarding the holy places. Radical Islam blows up mosques, churches, historic sites, slaughters Yazidis, Muslims who do not agree with them, slaughters Christians, whoever they can. That, that was straight from the Prime Minister's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so now back that to I your, agree. With. So yeah, I can imagine. So now back to your first point. Uh, you know, what should we be doing? Should we be taking to the streets? Should American jury be gathering outside the United Nations? Do does the does the average person in Israel does it affect them the way it seems to be? You know, an affront to us. You know, to to us uh, American citizens who care about Israel. What do we do? I, I, I I'm not sure that the people in Israel. You know, there's the umshmum attitude, right. uh, which. That the term adopted by Shamir, Prime Minister Shamir at the time, where they dismissed the UN and they, and people, really renowned people, uh, very thoughtful ones, uh, two of them were arguing with me that we should not move to repeal. So I said to them, "Did you oppose the repeal of Zionism racism?" Right. So oh, of course not. Of course not. I said, "This is worse. Zionism racism. Yeah, this is ten times worse. against the Jewish people. <laughs> this has real consequences. <laughs> and uh, you know that Article Thirty Four of this document." governs what the role of the Israeli police on the Temple Mount and condemns them for interfering with the Waqf, meaning the, the Islamic Trust that is in charge there for the, the Al-Aqsa, etc. Uh, and, and it's not going to regulate and say to them, you have no right to be there. It will say that the Jews don't have a right. And 20 years from now, 10 years from now, maybe even five, people will say, well, what do you want? This is uh, the international community. This is the accepted position. I'm trying to think back to the repeal of Zionism, racism, what the attitude was if it was in 25th year, this year, anniversary of the repeal of Zionism, racism, and we're going to mark it because this is the message that we beat Zionism, racism, we'll beat BDS, and we will beat this UNESCO resolution. It took from uh, 1976 to 1991 uh, uh, to get it done. Right. But... We will we will do this quickly. Seventy five. And we will. Pardon me. Oh, because you started working on it in seventy six, right? Seventy five was the vote, right? At seventy five, right. so setting from nineteen seventy six right. to, right. to nineteen ninety one to repeal it, and we must make this a concerted effort. We will. All right. So, asking people who have contacts in countries abroad do business there, raise it, tell them, explain to them why it's it's in the interest of no group to have this precedent set because the next time they'll they'll do it against. Buddhist statue, you see, saw the destruction of, of their uh, those ancient artifacts, uh, huge columns uh, and yeah. statuary, and the world said it is a terrible thing, and then gone. Um, all right. So, if the if if in Israel there's more of an attitude, you know, laid back, not caring much about the UN and all that, I get that. No, I think that that I, I was saying that it was an example. Right. That I'm not sure. You know, with all the things that are on their heads and right. uh, all the issues, I understand that. But but, but, I, but people did raise it. People are upset about it. The government has certainly been active on it, and and I think that uh, more and more people will come to understand. Right. But when you think about the repeal of Zionism, racism was re- it was really done on a diplomatic level, right? Including you know right. Jewish establishment organizations in that it wasn't one of those take to the streets levels. So unless someone does have the connections you just mentioned, there, there seems not to not much. For the average person in the U.S. who cares about Israel to do on this issue, am I right about that or not? One thing is to go to Israel and visit these sites and show, reinforce what they're doing at Ir David, the tunnels next to Kotel. Amazing new discoveries. I mean, just super amazing new things every day that that have been uncovered and are being uncovered. 
so people should go and reaffirm our connection by visiting, taking their kids there, talking to their kids about it, talk about the new discoveries, to show them, you know, that all the things they're learning in Shibot and day schools and stuff, it's true. It's true because it's proven. Scientists are proving it. Archaeologists are proving it. It's not rabbis proving it. And and we will be putting out notices asking people to take certain actions. We, we did put out a petition. It was signed by all the member organizations of the conference uh, to the United Nations. I got an answer from Ban Ki-moon on it. And, we are, and as I said... He's been helpful on this, right? Yes, in Bukova. And I, I want to credit the United States has been very helpful in interceding. And, you know, because of all the pressure we've brought to bear, the United States cut off funding to UNESCO when they admitted the PA as a member and gave it state status. Congress mandated that, and, and the, so we don't pay dues, and that limits their effectiveness, they say, in the body. But they did argue and did work to uh, to counter this, uh, this measure. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jamnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Reminder, December 1st, we are transitioning to a digital platform, uh, which means uh, it, if you listen outside of New York and New Jersey, or if you listen in New York and New Jersey on any of our non-terrestrial radio platforms, it will not affect you at all. But if you are listening on terrestrial radio, we are asking everybody to transition with us as we will discuss it over the next few weeks, uh, whether it's the NSN app or web radio or a listen line on your phone or uh, Bluetooth in your car, whatever the case may be, uh, and we will give out more and more details as we get closer and closer. Uh, well, it seems that uh, what we were hoping for never materialized, and that was a serious discussion. I mean, I mentioned this two weeks ago when you were on as well, but ne- never really a serious discussion in terms of foreign policy uh, when it comes to the two major candidates. Election Day is a week from Tuesday, and, and, and unless I'm totally misreading it, and I'm not saying there was no discussion, but but it seems that both candidates... Um, nev- at least as far as the way I viewed it, never really convinced the American people they have a real grasp on foreign policy issues. You agree? I do agree, and I think it's it's regrettable that uh, that issues generally got short shrift um, in because everybody was so focused on the um, comments, the, the the accusations, the allegations, the. Uh, and that the real debate on policy basis was was unfortunately too limited, and I hope still in the ten days room twelve days remaining eleven days remaining that that we will still see more focus on it yeah. uh, on, on the substantive issues and hearing peop- the the candidates address i mean we have so many serious issues aside from what is happening in Syria and in Iraq and in Yemen just in the Middle East alone you have dozen issues. We see Russia's interventions. The Russians now permanizing, permanentizing the uh, base at the Tartus, which they at least, and now it's not the most modern and up-to-date base, but it gives them the first forward base, that permanent base now, uh, in the Mediterranean. And they said this will be a base of operation, not just for Syria, but for the whole region, even though the big aircraft carriers and other things can't come Come into the port, but they will. They are fixing it up, and they will expand it just as they established the air force base in Syria as a permanent uh, presence. And and the Russians talk about it and and speak very openly about their intention. They put the S three hundred anti aircraft system. It gives them now 
the control in the air and and by sea. This is something Israel obviously has to be very con, uh, concerned about it. All being it's, done with Syrian regime's permission, right? Or, or oh, of course, yeah. Well, the Syrian regime is dependent upon Russia right. and, so I see, and yeah. Iran, and they're committed to keeping Assad in power, and so yeah. it's in his interest to, to keep this as well. Um, but the they they are signing the necessary documents, and they talked about the that they are going to be moving ahead very quickly now. Um, they already see the Russian ships that have been calling at the port. You've seen the the uh, rockets being fired from from uh, R- Russian uh, ships. It'll become a base for refueling and supplies, so they can cover much of the Mediterranean. You know, this is an age-old dream. This combined with the railroad building that they're building from Russia through Azerbaijan to the Persian Gulf, to getting warm water outlets to have uh, a presence in, Tur- in Iran at the Hamadan uh, Air Force Base, which I believe will also be a very long-term uh, uh, commitment. I heard so, someone say Russia gave up its dominance to the east and north, so they're going for the west and south. Well, I'm not sure they've given up anything. We see the the um, their actions uh, in the Ukraine. We've seen the actions in in other areas. I hear in Azerbaijan, and they, they are reasserting their influence in the former Soviet Union areas, but also challenging. Uh, more and more in Georgia, for instance, they keep moving the border. And there was an article this week about it about farmers who who can't go home because they get arrested by Russian border guards because their farms and their where they lived was part of of uh, Abkhazia or something and and uh, of Georgia originally. And now the Russian border guards keep moving further and further and shouldn't, arrest people. Shouldn't the UN be condemning that? My gosh. Oh right. And now the government of Kyrgyzstan is is near collapse. We're seeing. Other uh, uh, movements, uh, Aliyev is under a lot of pressure, the president of Azerbaijan. And the West has essentially abandoned a lot of these people. We, we are doing more to criticize them on human rights and other grounds, which may be illegitimate concerns, but we have to understand the broader picture. And the other beneficiary of this is, is Iran. And, uh, by the way, Turkey is also showing much more expansive designs. The Erdogan, uh, the, the, recently there were maps displayed where Mosul in Iraq is part of Turkey. And you're seeing Ottoman Europe maps being uh, shown. But the, 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 even the maps today of modern Turkey now are being shown incorporating some of these other areas. So you have the Ottoman Empire, the Persian Empire, and the Russian Empire competing, and the West is absent. And this void is being exploited all the time. Turkey would not be making these moves if they didn't see Russia doing what they're doing, right? Or not necessarily. They have have particular interests, fighting the Kurds. You know, they bombed the Kurds in the last week. Um, They they see this as part of their their protection of their own borders, uh, fighting ISIL, which threatens them. Uh, And, you know, you've had attacks, uh, terrorist attacks inside... um, uh, inside uh, Turkey, uh, the IRGC takes advantage. Iran Revolutionary Guard. They, they say we're ten times more powerful. Yesterday, uh, the commander uh, said in a public statement than they, than they were, and that they're the most powerful force in the Middle East, and that they will be able to expand their uh, influence. We saw the Soleimani, the key operative, military operative. Of the IRGC is in Mosul now, and and while the United States is trying to get the to get the Iraqi government to kick him out, they're not doing it. And and so 
you know, Khamenei made an interesting comment about the lack of serious determination to counter terrorism. Well, he's right, because nobody was, is stopping Iran. Right. You know, they're going ahead. They're rearming Hamas and Hezbollah, reestablishing ties, what the, uh, arming Houthis in Yemen, doing all of their subversive activities. And we're talking about just giving them more and more. The West is, is collapsing in front of them. Yeah, and I don't think much is going to change with the new president either. Well, a, a lot of th- people, I mean, it's going to take months till the next president is really in, in place, and I don't think that the candidates share necessarily completely the view of the current administration and something that, that will be tested. Uh, people don't want to commit troops. They don't want to um, engage America in a ground war. But the presence of America and our political activities and the, you know, the Iran sanctions bill expires on December 31st. And the House is going to take it up right after the election, the Senate thereafter. Here again is an issue where your listeners can write to their congressmen and write to their senator. And this is really important to say that the Iran sanctions must stay in place, the, the existing legislation be extended, and further sanctions be considered in view of the fact that they harass our ships, that they kidnap their soldiers, they're engaging in terrorism, they are playing more and more of a disruptive role, and you see the Saudi-Iranian tensions... Uh, but you wouldn't expect that the bill wouldn't pass. The, 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 the Iran will, sanctions. It, it will pass. Right, I'm saying. It's not like we're making an effort because of fear that it's not going to pass. We're making an effort just to show support. Well, we don't know in the Senate whether the administration will support it or not, and if... You know, if it's a different Democratic, Senate, right, right. Democrats don't support it. We that's could true. end up with the. That's true. The bill could be in danger, but I'm optimistic that we'll pass it. Right. And I think that it represents the sentiment. But you don't know in a political year what machinations take place and what uh, what could happen. Malcolm, when 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 I read over Yuntif that Boko Haram has you know released prisoners that they've kept prisoners hostages rather would be a better word. That mean that that indicates what a, a weakness, uh, a negotiation. Because uh, they're not the type, as we've read about them, they're not the type to just you know sim- simply let people go, you know, for benevolent reasons. Right, and we'll find out that there was a trade-off and that there were release of other prisoners, and that um, uh, you know there has been a concerted effort by the army against them, a consistent effort, and uh, they knew that this was uh, very unpopular amongst the people. Uh, they don't, they're not interested usually in popularity contests, but when you, you want to sustain the interest and support, but there were trade-offs for it, and and uh, I mean I for one think it's very important that these uh, 21 young women were allowed to be released. Nobody knows what was done to them or what happened, the indoctrination that took place during the time that they were in captivity. But uh, yes, there's always. We always find out later what the real deal is. So it doesn't necessarily indicate a weakness in the terror organization. Well, I think that there is some. That, I mean, they've been very assertive in going after them and trying to corner them in, in particular areas. But they are not dying. I mean, Boko Haram is still a strong presence. Uh, by the way, UNESCO-type victory, because we should celebrate them. And, and I know that you and I have similar attitudes when it comes to boycotts, not really in favor of them. I don't know if you can call this a boycott. But uh, American Express has pulled its sponsorship of the Roger Waters tour. Uh, we have discussed many times his opinions, very public opinions, about Israel. Uh, so I guess that's, a, that's somewhat of a victory, no? That's very good. So don't leave home without your American Express <laughs> and let them know that 
you appreciate their uh, the action. Okay. I mean, we would not tolerate a racist or bigot um, and having the sponsorship of major corporations. And we have to let it be known that that his what he's saying is unacceptable. We have every right to do it. It's it's not limiting freedom of speech. This is uh, uh, antagonistic and attacks on 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 Israel and his. His claims are, are outrageous, so I, I think this is very important. Um, we It seems to be an annual thing once the Knesset gets back into session, after the holidays, uh, the discussion of a coalition crisis. Um, is, is this a media-created thing, now that there are articles appearing about Prime Minister Netanyahu's coalition crisis as the winter session opens, or it's a very serious matter? I think both are true. You have it, as you said, every year. Right. And besides, you have a coalition crisis as a permanent state in Israel. That is the, <laughs> that is the condition. Um, there is more talk, and when I was there, uh, I heard it from people who might be in a position to know something, that uh, uh, you know the negotiations with Bougie Herzog to bring labor, or what's left of labor, into the government, um, that the uh, you know that could be one measure to try and stave off action at the United Nations to show that they brought in uh, labor and some of their ministers into into the government that Netanyahu um, is, is trying to send to send the right signals because there is a lot of concern about what will happen and we've discussed this before between after the election and January 19th when the president's term ends uh, there has been no decision and I, I've talked to top officials here, and, and I don't believe there's even been a meeting yet. There are people thinking about the various options that are open, including perhaps uh, removing this tax-exempt status, or Treasury removing the tax-exempt status of uh, or, uh, charities that give across the Green Line to right. settlements and support them, or um, there, there could be a speech by the president there could be a resolution i think the most likely is is that there could be a security council resolution that would condemn israel on the settlements and pave the way maybe for more sanctions or bds or something uh, of that kind uh, i think uh, maybe backing for palestinian statehood bid is one of the options that has been raised i do not believe that is uh, in the cards Perhaps the president will set out the Obama parameters to replace the Clinton, President Bill Clinton's parameters mm -hmm. to talk about the you know final status negotiations. I won't go through all the options, but uh, these are the things that, that have been muted, talked about, discussed in, in the speculation. So no decision has been made. It may well be that they won't do anything. I think right. it will depend on the election results and many other factors. Um, but as you notice, the prime minister is trying to dampen down and, and warn people about statements or actions in regard to new new settlements or new uh, outposts, rather. Uh, and the whole Shiloh controversy has, uh, you know, has exacerbated the tensions uh, between the U.S. and Israel on the settlement issue. No question about that. Finally, why is the Arabic world so concerned about the Fatah-Hamas rift? Uh, so the question is, are they concerned or they're annoyed? <laughs> uh, for one thing, they want the Palestinian issue off the table. It's an obstacle to the full expression of what they want to do with Israel, some have told me. Others think that 
the, the only hope, and the Saudis and the Egyptians have been pressing Fatah about negotiations. And uh, Abbas recently visited Qatar. He met the, the leader of Hamas there, and he has been meeting with some of them in um, uh, some of the other factions. Uh, first, Fatah itself is disunited. You have Jibir Rajub, you have others uh, running, and, uh, and you have Dakhlan. So the Fatah elements itself are not united, but people are smelling the end of his term. They're beginning to see his vulnerability, his, uh, that that an election at some point has to come. The young people, by the way, there have been extensive riots in the refugee camps over the last few days against Abbas and again and clashes uh, not with Israelis but with the, the PA security forces, which seem to have much more leeway to respond harshly. And the so the Arab states are saying, look, sit down, negotiate, make a deal. They think that it will aid the stability in the region, it will take away an irritant, it will you know, uh, help uh, them uh, calm any possible tensions because the Palestinian issue still evokes emotional response in, in some of the Arab countries and segments of the population. And the, um, uh, you know, the timetable is not great. There's a lot of fear that, that things could escalate and carry over into other areas. And with Hamas being uh, a threat, not just to Israel, but I think even more to Egypt and others, they have a vested interest in trying to see some sort of uh, internal unity that would enable them then to have a common front to negotiate with uh, Israel. Hmm. All right. Um, let's make Wednesday Balfour Day. Teachers out there, tell your uh, students how important a day it is in Jewish history, the 99th anniversary of Balfour Day this coming Wednesday, November the 2nd. We'll do our own little campaign, Malcolm, our little... Uh, Absolutely. Great idea. Yeah, you could say that again. All right. Um, have a wonderful Shabbos. We will speak Good again Shabbos uh, to everybody next week. And, uh, thank you. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Weekly update Friday, 740 Eastern Time here on JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden. Spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good have Shabbos, everybody. Wow. Tomorrow we really have the privilege of starting afresh and anew. We begin this Shabbos, the Book of Bereshis, Sefer Bereshis, and Parshas Bereshis. We span in this parsha, the first thousand years of civilization. In this parsha, according to the Chinuch, is the first mitzvah in the Torah, and that is the mitzvah of Pru-Urvu, the mitzvah of procreation, to have Jewish children. Now, I'd like to focus on Two different ideas. Firstly, to call your attention to the very first Rashi in the Torah. Rashi is troubled as to why our constitution is different from all others. Namely, a constitution is a book of laws. And therefore, our laws, which were given to the Jewish people, begin in chapter 12 in the second book in Shmos, whereby you have the unique Jewish calendar 
which is a combination of lunar and solar, that's the first mitzvah that we should have had in our Torah. And that's how the Torah should have begun. Why does the Torah begin with the narratives, the stories contained in Bereshis, and even informing us that God is the Creator? After all, in the Ten Commandments, we are told to keep Shabbos, Kisheshes Yomim, Oso Hashem, Esashemayim Oretz. Namely, that we keep Shabbos as a, not just reminder, but as a strong statement that God is the Creator. We don't need the specifics of day one, day two, day three. So Rashi's question is, Matam Posach Bebereshis. So why then does the Torah begin with creation? And he answers Rashi by quoting the Pasuk from Tehillim, chapter 111, verse 6, whereby the David HaMelech says, Koach Ma'asov Higidli Amo. Literally, the power of his actions, he told his people, Bereshis Bara Elohim, why? Nachalas Goyim. In order to give them, literally, the inheritance of nations. And Rashi goes on to say, so that if the nations of the world, now amazing, did Rashi write this with Ruach HaKodesh, literally, with divine inspiration? Because, after all, what Rashi is referring to is nothing less that we've heard so many times and even within the last month from the United Nations that the rest of the world, what do they say to the Jewish people? Listematem, you are bandits, you are thieves, you've stolen, you have no real claim to this land. You've stolen the lands of seven and other nations who inhabited the land. So, Haim Omrim Lahem. Israel has an answer. Israel will say to them, Kola Oretz Shalkadosh Baruch You should know the entire earth belongs to God. Hu He created it. And He gave it Lasher Yashor Be'enav. He gave it to whoever He found proper in His eyes. And by His will, He gave it to them. And by His will, He took it from them and gave it to us. The first thing is, the Jew has to be prepared to tell this to the rest of the world with a strong sense of conviction. Because as we conclude every prayer of Shachris, Mincha, and Mayriv with the Oleinu prayer, and we say the Ne'emar, as we've been promised by the Prophet, literally, that God is going to be the king over the entire world. And the Navi, who Zechariah, in chapter 14, verse 9, the Navi doesn't lie. The day will come when the entire world will recognize it. But until that time, we have to be strong in our belief. And Haim Omrim Lahem is not only we are prepared to stand firm 
and tell this to the rest of the world, but there are, unfortunately, so many of our own Jewish boys and girls in universities throughout the country that, unfortunately, do not have this basic foundation of Bereshis Bara Elohim, that God is the Creator, and it's Him to choose. And there's no question about it how privileged we are today. And we see Beliayan Hara, six million King Yirbu Jews living in the state of Israel. Take a look at the Gemara in Sanhedrin 98a and see how the prophecy of Yechezkel chapter 36 is Bli Ayin Hara becoming evident and visible in our day that the land is producing and it does so commensurate with the number of Jews that keep coming home the land produces more that which the land has not did not produce for close to two thousand years and you want to know why because Hashem promised us in Parshas God promised that He would keep the land desolate as long as the Jewish people were not on its land. And so it is so exciting. That verse is found in chapter 26 in uh, the third book of the Torah, verse 32. But I urge you, Bring this first Rashi to the table. And if you need an English commentary, bring it as well. Read it slowly and imbibe the very powerful vitamin E of Emuna, which comes forth from this Rashi. And our claim and our deed to Eretz Yisrael comes from this Rashi. I'd like to share with you a very, very interesting concept stemming from another very challenging Rashi. If you go in the first chapter, verse 11 and verse 12, so when Hashem on the third day orders the earth to bring forth vegetation, Hashem says he wants eights pre osaprilimino, fruit trees that yield fruit after its kind. Rashi says eights pre that the taste of the tree itself should be as the taste of the fruit. The bark of the tree should have taste. And if you look at the next verse, Rashi says, The earth did not listen to God. Nothing less than defied Hashem. And what does it say in the next verse? That the earth brought forth eights osepri, trees yielding fruit, but not that the tree itself had the taste of the fruit. I remember seeing years ago a fascinating understanding, suggestion by Rabbi Pinchas Friedman, 
the head of the Kolel in Eretz Yisrael, whereby he embells the head of the Bell's Kolel. He suggested very sharp. Another one of those we had at first is as follows. Think about it. The term Mother Nature. This is something which is found in most languages. In Israel it's called Ima Adama. Mother Nature. Where is this coming from? Suggests Rav Friedman a very interesting idea. Nothing less than God gave the earth free will. And the earth defied God. Why? Because what won't a mother do for its child? To use that expression would take the bullet. To use that expression, it puts itself before its child. And now the earth knows that the child which will come from it, namely Adam, and he's called Adam because he comes mino Adama, and he's going to defy God's word when God says to him in this parasha, in chapter 2, that you can eat from all the fruit, but that one is the one you should not eat from, from the Eitz Hadas Tovarah. And when man defies God, what can he say as an alibi on his own defense? Look where I come from. I come from the earth, which in of itself was, unfortunately, that which first defied. So I come from, perhaps, defective source. But this is all to provide an alibi for its offspring, hence Mother Nature, the mother covering up for its young. So on the one hand, man who comes from the Adama can use that as his easy way out. I don't, God forbid, live up to my potential, because after all, I come from a poor or weaker stock. However, comes along the Shalah HaKadosh and says, why is he called Adam? Not just because he comes from the Adama, but Adam because of Adameh. I can be like, I can emulate Hashem. Now think about it. What a powerful idea. The Talmud tells us that Shor ben Yomo Korui Shor, an ox, a bull, on the day of its birth, it is complete with all the faculties that it needs. Sure, it might grow and it might become stronger, but it's mental capacity, its character, its essence is given to it in its complete form at its birth. The only exception in all of nature is man. That man is the only being that he is like God in the sense 
that he too has been given the Koach HaYetzira. He alone has been given this capacity to literally build and shape and transform the Adama, the earthliness, the physicality of man and transform it and elevate it to become nothing less than God-like. And so, this incredible idea of Na'ase Adam, that God says, let us make man, giving him this very special potential. We read this in Ha'azinu, whereby in verse 9 of chapter 32 of Ha'azinu, Ki Hashem Amo Yaakov Chevel Nachalaso. Literally, Hashem's portion is His people. Jacob is the measure of his inheritance. And Rashi on the spot tells us that the word Chevel does not only mean an inheritance and a portion, but it means a rope. And this is very much elaborated upon by the Nefesh HaChayim, Rav Chaim in his very Sha'ar Aleph, in his first Sha'ar, whereby he writes that just as picture a rope which is suspended from heaven and literally comes down to this earth, and when man shakes the rope down here, it has effect upon the heavens above, and it has effect upon the entire world. This is what we are being taught, is that incredible capacity of man. And therefore, you've got a choice. You can take the easy way out and say, look where I come from. I come from the Adama. The Adama messed up. I too can. Or no, take the other approach that says, wow, look at your incredible potential and look what you can accomplish. I pray that we're going to be so proud of our new beginning, our being an Adam, our having the capacity to emulate none other than Hashem Himself. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. with Yaakov Shweki Kamu Vaneha. Schlockrock before that, a Shabbat in Liverpool with Menucha Vesimcha. You heard Shlomo Katz and Yismichu. Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Bracious, candlelighting 537 on this Erev Shabbos. 537. As we begin Parshas, Bracious. My thanks to uh, Rabbi Yudin, who joins us each Friday. Reminder, coming up, coming up uh, on our stream at jmnam.org and, of course, on the uh, NSN app. Naomi Nachman, minutes away with Table for Two, featuring Amy Kritzer from the blog, What You Want to Eat. <laughs> what You Want to Eat, I like that. Blogger Liz Ruvain from Kosher Like Me. And Shoava Berezin Bar, on the associate director of Yachad, joins Naomi as well. So Naomi Nachman with three guests coming up between 9 and 10. Kedem's presentation of our Arab Shabbos music mix goes all the way from 10 a.m. until candlelighting time. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami kicks things off for the brand new week. And uh, a Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday beginning Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time on the stream. org And on the NSN app. And um, and that'll get the week started. Monday we're back starting at 6 a.m. And the Simcha Liner is going to be joining us next week. It's got a big performance coming up for the uh, Atid Society at the uh, Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy. And uh, he'll be joining us next week here at JM in the AM. Our Election Day special will be Thursday. Both City Councilman of New York, David Greenfield, who will be representing the Clinton side... And Jeff Balaban, the Republican strategist and consultant who will be representing the Trump side, have agreed to appear on this program 8 a.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, uh, a week from yesterday, the Thursday before Election Day, to discuss the two candidates and to state their case as to why one should be voting for either the Democratic or Republican candidate for President of the United States. That will happen Thursday, our own election special, which we thought originally was going to be at a venue, ends up in its natural place right here at JM in the AM. Time to say good Shabbos. Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite, America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Wraps up a great short week for us here at JM the AM. Naomi Nachman is next. On the NSN app and at NahumSiegel.com with Table for Two. Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix after that, all the way until candlelighting time. Greetings to those in Teaneck, New Jersey, who told me last Shabbos that they are listening all day long on Friday to our amazing programming. It's much appreciated. Um, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami tomorrow night. And Matz hosts JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Sunday morning. We're back here on Monday. Have a fabulous Shabbos, great weekend. Till next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.